Father, we thank you today. We are truly so grateful. Thank you for pulling us out of a, a broken life, a life full of pain, a life full of ugliness. And you've made something beautiful of my life, our lives. We are forever indebted, Lord. Every day we wake up out of bed, we could say, thank you, Jesus. Just simply thank you, Jesus, that you've taken our lives and you're walking with us, helping us, healing us, and you're making us something new. I ask you to bless this time together. And I thank you so much for the beautiful people that are in this room and watching now. Bless your word, I pray, in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. All right. Take a seat. I ain't going to be long. Good to see you. Happy? If you're unhappy, it's okay. It's only a feeling. Joy is deeper. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I want to read from John chapter 11. I want to take what is often the preview. It's like the, uh, the opening act to the big resurrection that Jesus was going to have. This is from uh, John chapter 11. This is the resurrection of Lazarus. Right. Hey. And here's what happens. Chapter 11 and verse 21 was now Martha and Mary, just to fill you in a bit. Martha and Mary were uh, a couple and they had a brother. And their brother, his name was Lazarus. Obviously Jesus was close to this family because he would call them there to have some bacon and eggs and you know, some unleavened bread with butter. It's true. He used to visit them often. And he, he would have, and sit down and have a meal. And um, he grew to, to love them. So when he was out ministering somewhere else, he got news, I'll just fill you in so I can just read some. He got news that Lazarus, while he was away, had died. And the two women, Mary and Martha, his sisters, were grieved. Now, here's the grief. They had sent a word to Jesus, a messenger, to tell him the one whom he loved, Lazarus, his good friend, was sick. And the sickness, they believe, was going to lead to death. So Jesus had noticed before he died that he was in a very critical condition. Now, on purpose, he allowed himself to be die, has some diversion in his schedule. He attended something else that interrupted what he was possibly or should have uh, done, and that was gone straight there, and he probably would have saved him. In fact, in the story, both Mary and Martha said, if you hadn't been here, he would not have died. That is so true. So therefore, you need to know, before I read this, Jesus purposely stalled and stopped himself from actually getting there so Lazarus could die. Now, understanding that, 
you will see there is a far deeper purpose and meaning underneath the skin of just trying to save somebody from death, give them a resurrection uh, later on, which brings another whole account to this, but just to prevent somebody from dying who's going to die anyway, again, there's a deeper story here. And this is one that I believe is so important for all the church to know and for you to know and for me to know today. He wanted to teach something that would permanently be in the minds of believers on this side of glory. So he purposely allowed him to die. He knew what he was going to do. He knew he was going to pull off the biggest miracle that any human I stopped there on purpose because the man was a human. I'll give you some more explanation. You know a lot of this already. In fact, Destiny Church, I've been teaching you in the last six months just a long, elongated, extended period of Easter. That's all I've been in death and resurrection, apart from the incarnation when he was born. The Virgin Mary. He delayed it to show you something. Let's have a look at what he's showing us, huh? <clears throat> Martha said, Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. <laughs> that's faith right there. Say that's faith. But even now I know, oh, look at that. That's, this is nice. It's not going to down God for not being there and say why. She just said, even though I, I know now, whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. You're going to rise again. As a word for somebody, you're going to rise again. You think that it's all over. You think that your business and losing it or losing your life, losing your family, losing whatever is, is over. I want to tell you right now, you're going to rise again. You're going to rise from where you thought you lost it, where you thought it was finished. I'm telling you, you'll rise again. Get up. Come on, get up. Get up. Wake up. Move yourself because God's got something even better and bigger for you. It ain't over. I'm telling you right now, you will rise above the problem. You think that it's insurmountable. I'm not going to get over this. Yes, you are. Because God has just let go something that says that rising up spirit right now is yours if you just say and hear and believe. The fact is that He's going to lift you above it. He's going to take you over and above and you're going to do even better than you were before the tragedy happened, before the trouble took her, before the hurt happened, before you, the challenge before you is less than what God has for you. I love that. In the, in the light of all this, the light of death itself, death is the biggest enemy of mankind. It's got to be the most feared thing. People fear death. How am I going to die? When am I going to die? That's good you don't know how you're going to die. None of us want to die miserable. We don't want to die by being hit by a logging truck. <laughs> I don't know. Drowning, shot, 
drug overdose, alcohol poisoning, cancer. I don't know. There's a variety of ways and how you can die. I don't know how I'm going to die. I don't know when I'm going to die. You don't really want to know everything, do you? I wouldn't like to know that because some of us would be hard out now, changing our lives, praying and fasting for weeks to say, Lord, I don't want to die like that. I didn't know my husband was going to stab me. (laughs) I got an imagination. Problem is, it's true. Might have been better if I said the wife was going to stab him. (laughs) Throttling. You see the picture of the wife, you dirty dog. And you say, man, is that how I die? The husband, do I die like that? I don't know. But I know this, however and whenever, what matters, you're going to rise again. I love that. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate the fact is that even death cannot ultimately Put enough fear in my life to say that, you know what? If God's got my life in His hands, how I go and when I go does not really matter as long as I'm ready. As long as you have Christ in you, you know the path beyond this material world. And when you enter into the world of the Spirit, you know your only security is having Christ. That's the light. If you have Christ, you don't need to fear darkness. You don't need to fear death. You only fear death because you do not have the one who conquered death. If I have Christ, and we already know the story in the death and the resurrection, that He raised Himself again from the dead, that I don't need to fear death anymore. I only fear it if I don't have the light of the one who conquered death in me. So darkness in the afterlife is usually mocked at. I don't care. Who cares when we go then? It doesn't matter. It does matter. I don't want to talk about hell, but it's a real place. No preacher talks about hell today. So this preacher will give 30 seconds of hell. (laughs) Jesus said hell's a real place. Eternal fire made for those who for some reason just did not want to be with Christ and God. That's their choice. On that basis, if you can't be saved in any other way, let me scare you into heaven. <laughs> Believe me, there's some pain on earth you don't like, but wait for eternal, eternal fire that will never go out and spending everlasting eternity burning as a soul and getting Scorched, I'm telling you right now, you've got to be crazy if you are the most hard out, unbelieving atheist. You ought to change on that basis. Take it as an insurance policy in case you're wrong. The thief on the cross did a last five seconds salvation said to him, Jesus, you know, I believe you, please. You know, and Jesus says, this day you'll be with him in paradise. That's a last minute, second grasp. It's salvation and he got it. Even a dirty scumbag, rotten, thieving thief on a cross at the last second next to Jesus said, Lord, remember me. I believe, but the other thief wouldn't. And Jesus turned and said, you'll be with paradise. You'll be with me in paradise today. What a, this is, this is, this is crazy. 
to think why people would fight the salvation that's been so freely given. Yeah, he'll rise again. Love the man. Ooh, I love that. I could just have that. If I was in his presence, living there, and I was just, you know, Billy Jack on the side, and I heard him say, you know, don't worry, your brother will rise again. I mean, I'm, that's enough for me. I mean, I'd like, I'd go and cuddle the guy if I could, and his legs. I'd just say, man, you've got some biggies there. Here's another man saying he's going to rise again. That's the trouble. We're so scared as humans, even when we've got Jesus in our heart. We still let our human side be so scared, so afraid. Here's a man. This is a man. Yeah, we say he's God, but nobody really knew about his God nature. He was human though. He looked like us. That's what the incarnation the derogatory manner of Christmas and Santa Claus and all that other garbage takes away from the fact that the virgin birth was God being born a baby. God becoming a human, dressed in flesh, coming to get us back, coming to give us the life that we should have had when our ancestor Adam, the first Adam stuffed up, but the last Adam, Christ came to do the business once and for all. And there was no other way about it except for God saying, you know what? We've been so alone up here and being just spirit, we need to go down and see what it tastes like to be a human. The very people we created. We'll have to become one of them. That's the Christmas story in a nutshell. God becoming a baby taking the risk of taking flesh. God wrapped himself in flesh. Except the difference with us and him is that Jesus never sinned. So the flesh wasn't sinful flesh. It was reasonably good flesh. But it was still limited flesh. He still cried. He still felt. He had the emotions of a human. He had all of the taste and the, he needed food. He needed to eat. He needed to go to the toilet just to put it in perspective. That flesh, that human side, felt temptations. He had all of the stuff that we had, except he just had enough in him to not fall for the temptations, to go for the alcohol, to touch the drugs, to go outside the parameters of good character. He kept himself pure and clean. That's an awesome person. He should be more praised and all the statues in the world should be, the town centres should be him. He's the one that's made it. God bless all the other humans, but they are failures and sins and hidden stuff. And we don't judge them by that, but it's just really great to have a human that made it. One of our kind made it. Gives me hope. Great hope that one of my kind made it. Actually did it. His name was Jesus of Nazareth. I'm inspired by him. He will rise again. That's coming from a man. It's like one of the brothers in the bikey gang stepping forward and saying, he will rise again. It's like one of the businessmen coming forward and saying, we will rise again. It's one of the guys in the family saying, we will rise again, dad and mum. It's someone going through such calamity in business or in social 
whatever relationships, standing up and saying, you know what, but we will come back. We will rise again. It's not finished. It's not over. We will rise again. You are given permission to step in as a human because a human has already done it. Open the gates so we all should pour through and stand up in situations and do not let them take you down. Do not let them change you. Do not let the spirit of that moment take anybody backwards. Give them hope by you standing forth and saying, wait a minute. We're gonna come back from this tragedy. It's horrible. It's not nice. But it's no good turning nasty and bitter. There's too many nasty and bitter people around us. We need somebody who's sweet, not sour. We need sweet amongst the sour. We need somebody who's better, not bitter. We need somebody who's healed, not hurt. We need somebody that's positive, not negative. We need optimism in here, not negativity. Oh, I love him. That's why I love him. He's dead. It's over. He was sick. You could have saved him, but I understand you couldn't. I know what God will give you anything. And he said, he will rise again. Watch out. I'll get stuck here. I hate a flat tire. <laughs> I got a flat tire in my buggy not long ago. And it's the worst thing because you've got no mobility. Once your car's got a flat tire, you know what it's like? You go, oh, huh? you're dead in your tracks. That's exactly where the devil wants you. Sit still, don't move. Energy and power come from motion, from movement. And if he could cause you to be flat in life, no, 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 we need to pump that thing up, man. It needs, that tire needs to go up. It needs to go up. It needs to be pumped up. It needs air and it needs something in it so we can get moving again. Dear Lord, let's go. All right. Hallelujah. So he says this. He says something. Where's my page? Here we are. He said, okay, he will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Jesus said to her, I am <laughs> the resurrection and the life. Who is this dude? Man, I love him. I am. He just took all of the religious air out of the room. All the religious air out of every church that hasn't been teaching correctly what the resurrection is all about. I think most people know about the death and the cross. We know that He died for our sins, but there's a bit of vagueness and less of an understanding about what happened in that resurrection. And that's exactly the type of communication that's going on here. She said yes. So she, her understanding as a very good woman was that I know that God will do something way in the last days and when His power will be displayed. And, and she was saying, then I know there's the resurrection of all people in the last time and He will do it with a big powerful voice and God's big power will raise everything. And Jesus just cut straight through and said, no, I'm not talking about resurrection as an idea or a great miraculous event that once happened or some 
something that you assign to the future, to the too hard basket. He cut right over that. He just destroyed a whole lot of theological jargon and rubbish and a lot of false teachings and traditional teachings and religious teachings and wrong teaching and no teaching. He said, I am. He now just took resurrection out of the future, the too hard basket. He took it away from your speculations and my speculations that it's about something that God will do and He will do on the last day. He will raise every Christian that has Christ in them from the dead and give them a new body, an eternal spiritual body forever. But He he just does something so, so amazing. Don't you love Him? Give Him a clap right now before I go through. Wow! You know, this is what he says. Listen to this. He says, I am the resurrection. He just made it resurrection a person. He didn't make, it's not an event. It's not an action. It's not a, it's not a miracle. It is all of those. But he said, oh no, that's just shallow. Your, your knowledge on that level will, will deplete and limit you and how you live today. Not that you know about resurrection. What you know about resurrection is what you deeply know about the truth of resurrection. So he says, resurrection is me. It's a person. It's an experience in a person. Oh, I love this. Oh, I am. He just totally cuts right through all of the teachings of the resurrection, I know it's there. People say, oh, but he doesn't understand. I just don't want your religious foul mouth in this right now. I just want to get the truth of this. Jesus says, I am. He took it right back to the person. I love this. Oh, I love this so much. He takes resurrection out of your too hard basket, out of your end time stuff. He takes resurrection away from an idea or some amazing event that God will do. He took it and he brought it into your life now, the now, the now life. He brought it right back into the now life, to today, to you, right here this moment. That's what He was doing right that moment. The moment that you hear it right now, He takes it now. And if you can hear what the Spirit is saying, He is saying resurrection is in a person. I am the resurrection and the life. (laughs) Oh man, I love this. We'll leave that there. I'll come back and I'll just touch it as we sweep this all up together to a nice little climax. Boy, that's cool. This, this is a dude. We're worrying about running around and our work and our money. and They are things we've got to do. They're menial though. How about going around and starting to get you to be living in an upgraded position? Your position matters and it changes your conditions. You get the position right, then your conditions will come right. I love that. Your positions are low, then your condition stays. If your position rises, then you can deal with the condition. 
He said that, eh? He said, listen, if you understand the resurrection teaching here, the condition of what's happening here with the death's going to change. Do you believe? He had to get the belief out of that. He's pulling you, saying, you've got to go higher, Mary. Martha, you've got to go higher. You've got to understand, I am the resurrection and the life. Don't, don't fall into the trap of all these other people saying, oh, no, we're mere humans. You can't this and that. Oh, you're just taking too much liberties and you're thinking this and that. Well, you know, a lot of people say that. They say, you, how can you be saying that a human can be God? That's a lot of rubbish. That's false. That's blasphemy. That a human can be God. Well, Brian Talmachie's answer is, I already know a follower is a human that has already become a God. There's already a human that has become God. What are you talking about? And they'll say, oh, yeah, but that's Jesus. That's right. That's his name. The guy that was born, a baby from a virgin, yes, but he was a human. They can't deny it. See, they try and slip around because they're stuck in religion. They're stuck in false teaching. They're stuck in their below potential living. I know one human has already become God. <laughs> and if one human became God, I'm not saying anymore. I'm just saying it's like the, the, nobody could, thought that they could ever beat the four-minute mile, remember? And for years it stayed, no runner can break the four-minute mile until somebody thought, I can. What was his name? Something, something. Hey? Roger Bannister, that's the one. Roger Bannister believed it. He broke the four-minute hoodoo. Why? For years and decades and decades and decades, it was never broken because everybody thought it could never be broken until somebody broke it. That year, another 150 athletes broke the four-minute mile. You get it? You, you, you cannot assume to take the I am. Wow, you have to. Because one human's done it already and apparently that human that made it through, right through death and made it right through to resurrection and made it right up into the highest place with the Godhead and the triune God. Ooh, they made it and together they said, you know what? The Father said, I want a whole lot of you. I want many like you. He said, I don't want Christians. I don't want Christians. I want many like that. Like what? Like what we're talking about. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. Ah, oh, you're never gonna die. And if you do die, you're gonna live. <laughs> it's cool, man. I love this guy. How, how would you not, if you don't know Jesus, run up now and sprawl all over the stage and say, oh, I want this man. I want this dude. He's the answer to all my problems. That's right. <laughs> I, how do you walk through life now knowing that you're going to live forever and if you die, you're going to live anyway. And if you die, you're going to live. And if you live and you die, you're going to live. 
It's a win-win. That's, that's why I um, talked about the, the gate. I talked about the swag. I was not joking. It was, wasn't just a Brian Tamaki message. It was like it changes you inside and you walk differently when you know I'm never going to die. Then you'll begin to have more faith and stepping on some water rather than sitting in the boat of ordinariness and the boat of no risk. I'm, honestly, I'm telling you right now, you got one leg through this side of glory, you may as well have a go. I don't believe God will, would uh, scold or you know, tell you off or be upset about you having over-the-top faith. <laughs> no, 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 no. He often said, where is your faith? Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, God, Lord, how long must I be with them? That's what he said. Ah, oh, I love this. The story goes on down there and he says he groaned. Therefore, Jesus saw her weeping. I just jumped down here. Who came with him and, and he groaned deep in the spirit. Woo. And then it goes over here. They said to him, oh, you know what? He's been dead for a while. Four days. He stinks. This is the Middle East. Now you've got a stinking body and this guy's going to raise him back to full, like he's going to smell sweet. <laughs> his heart, all this stuff's going to work after four days. The liver deteriorating, the heart going problems, skin, thighs, and he stinks. They said, there's a stench there. What are you doing? And there's a big crowd. Do you really want to do this in front of a big crowd and ruin your reputation? Well, right here and now, if he wasn't God, it's a great place to chip off out of Christianity. And again, I, I just love this. And Jesus, again, groaning, deep within himself, came to the tomb. <laughs> wow. This is one of the stories I'd choose to be there if, I had, if you had the chance and you, and you won a big prize of being in a moment of one of those historic moments of Jesus. This is what I'd probably choose. I choose this one because he's a man. That's why the whole, because over the page here in verse 9 of, of 12, I think it is, yeah, the Jews, the religious teachers, the churches and the religious people who didn't have the revelation got together and they got a plot, the chief priests. Can you believe this? Yeah, I can. The chief priests, they plotted together to what? To kill Lazarus. <laughs> they want to kill him again. <laughs> they want to kill Lazarus. Why? Because he's too much of a testimony about the good works of Jesus. Isn't this crazy like today? Let's kill him. Kill Lazarus again. That's funny to me. Lazarus is probably thinking, what? What do you want to kill me for? I'm an innocent guy. Because you're associated with Brian Tamaki. So we ain't going to serve you coffee. It's a lower formal thing. So Pastor Eri couldn't be served coffee by this person because they said to him, you look like one of his kind. Dressed well, smart, held himself, good looking. <laughs> and he said, I ain't serving you coffee. And he said, why? Are you connected with Brian Tamaki? It's good for Pastor Eri. I think he probably thought, oh, okay, there's a challenge. Yes, I am. Then he said, you're not getting any coffee. I reckon it's fantastic. I was the one that actually sent him back to take the video footage. 
because it's a good example. Heck, if you can slide around life and with them all amongst the rotten sinning today and you're supposed to be a spiritual Christian and you cause no ripples, you're not making waves. I've got to question your Christianity. Oh yeah, you should be racked on. You should be hated. Jesus was the same. He said, if they hated me, that's the son of God who did everything right, then they'll hate you. You're in good company when you're hated. And listen, I could not generate that hate that I get from this nation by doing anything uglier uh, than the good things I'm doing. In other words, if I was a dope dealer or a big meth, meth, meth lord, and I was feeding you guys little packets at the door, take, make some money. What is this? Meth. That's what the church is about, selling meth. Better watch out, that's a statement they can take. Ha, 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 who cares you chop it all up, edit it and say the church is for selling meth, that's what they do. I don't even care anymore. I've had everything said about me put out there. I just sit at home, have bacon and eggs, laugh and carry on. Lie all your life. Did you know that somebody recently, Christian community, and some wacko from America put out a video and said that I don't believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus? Hell, I've been preaching about it for six months. And there was Christians that believed it. But anyway, happy days. He groaned deep within the tomb. Then he goes down to the tomb and he says, take the stone away. And that's when they said, he stench, it stinks. <laughs> oh, poor guys. They're probably thinking, man, this is going to be embarrassment. And there's a whole lot of people crowded around now because word got out. There is some dude with long hair from Nazareth who's a son of a carpenter. He's down there thinking he's going to raise a dead body. So there's a crowd there now. And what does he say? Roll the stone away. After two big groans. Obviously, I'm sticking on the groans. Two big groans. Groans, that groaning there, I'll tell you in a moment. This is incredible. Ah, oh, I'm hungry. Let's leave it, eh? We'll close the meeting. We'll go home and have some lunch. We'll do it tomorrow, next day or something. I'll probably forget. So I better do it now. Lazarus, come forth. And guess what? This guy comes out with all his grave clothes wrapped around him. You can see his little eyes out there going, <coughs> where have I been? What the heck is this? And he says, loose him and let him go. I mean, I do no justice to it, really. Here's a dude that's raised another dude from four days of death and everybody sees it. And then the religious people, this is how I'll tell you how powerful religion is. They want to go away, plot how they can put him back into the grave again and kill him. Some people you're never going to change. Don't you be that person. Don't be so old or so rigid or so traditional that you cannot change. That tomb turned into a womb. That tomb wasn't the terminal place for that man. That tomb became a womb. Really, Christ was depicting in some way 
the greatest resurrection of all history was his own. Let me come into land now because this is most important. You've got to understand this, that from his death to his resurrection, those three days, and he said, I'll rise again. What a lot of people don't know and they don't understand that this resurrection was the weight of Christianity's existence. It's credibility and our credibility as Paul said in Corinthians, as he, said, he said this, listen, if there is no resurrection, there is no Christianity. If there's no resurrection, your faith is empty. And I find so many Christians that do not understand the resurrection. The apostle Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and his sufferings. But his resurrection was what Paul knew that the Christian community was devoid of spiritual knowledge and it was killing them. So let's just quickly, in the next eight minutes, what is this resurrection? How does it relate more importantly, to my everyday life. Well, let's look at this. Before the resurrection, God was God. God is spirit. John 4, 23 and 24 says, God is spirit. He's invisible. He's eternal. He's powerful. But before the resurrection, God was just spirit who at the incarnation for the first time took on the human man. You understand? I'm going to just talk in street language, a very deep theological truth. So God was born a baby. He became a human. I find that just for hours to sit and think. He gave that type of commendation to you. He wanted to become one of us. So at the incarnation, Christmas time, the spirit, the almighty spirit of God that he was now did something. He changed his composition. God changed the composition of himself. What do I mean by that? That's that's big. He changed the composition of himself because he had never been human before the incarnation. So he went into the virgin, conceiving by himself, by the Holy Spirit, he was conceived as as a baby that was God in the flesh. He would live for 33 and a half years. Three and a half years of his life, he'd manifest who he was as a different creature. Yet, before his resurrection, he was only the, the, known as the only begotten Son of God. The only begotten Son of God was just Spirit. You understand? So when he took human flesh on, he was now two parts. He was God and he was human. Oh, wow. Already there's a new species coming. There's a new creature. He was the first fruits of a different kind. So he was born from the virgin. Put your hand up. But I guarantee you, a whole lot of you don't know there were two births of Christ. Not just one. There were two births. He was born twice. I find Christians don't know the second one. Got you all, haven't I? Where's the second birth? First one was at the virgin birth. The second one is what most people, Christians, do not regard 
is that he was born in the resurrection. How's that, Bishop? Apostle, Brian. Simple. You will find out in the resurrection that he was, had another birth, the second birth. The first birth, the historical Jesus up to that point was the one that was right up to the resurrection. That's what most Christians have received in their mind. They still receive Christ, but they've received um, limited knowledge and they think they've received the historic Jesus of the Matthew, Mark, Luke and John up to the resurrection and the death. So they ask Jesus into their life and in their mind, it's that one they see in the Gospels. That Jesus is the historical Jesus. He's a limited Jesus. How dare you say that, Bishop? Mm -hmm. Oh, let me help you. He's limited not in his divine nature. He's limited in his human side. His human side, the flesh side, still had limitations. He couldn't walk through walls. He couldn't be everywhere at once. He was confined locally to where he was by his physical body. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that wasn't perfect, that flesh. It was imperfect. So God knew they had to make that perfect. They had to raise that side of his life <laughs> so that it now was in total harmony and it was in complete connection with his divine side so the whole complete Christ was God. Now do you get it? He had to eat, he had, so he had the failings of that flesh and that flesh, that human side of his could be killed. It had to be killed. It had to be killed. And then three days, the activity in that tomb. Oh, that's the second place I'd rather have been than any other place if they won that contest. Where do you want to go? I want to be in the tomb and I want to see just exactly what happened. While his flesh was killed and dead, oh, his spirit was actively working. The God side of him, which is in 1 Corinthians 15:45, the first Adam was a quickening, was a life-giving soul, was a soul, sorry, was a life of the soul, was the other was the human life, and it says there, but Christ became a life-giving spirit. That life-giving spirit is the resurrection spirit. That life-giving spirit is the resurrection spirit. That's the divine side that was in Jesus, the one in Mark 11 that stood there and could say, I am the resurrection and the life. That was in him. But the other side of him, the human, was going to be a benefactor of the other side of him. When he was in, after he was killed, his flesh died, they wrapped him up and put him in that tomb. What happened immediately in the three days, his spirit got to work. Oh, no, you can't kill. That's why he said now, I'm answering um, John chapter 11 for you, that you shall never die. Even though if you live and die, you shall live. Now I'll just explain to you. So he pushed into the tomb. Jesus wasn't really dead. Only his flesh was dead. But Jesus, the Christ, the other side of the divine side, God, he can't kill spirit. Spirit is eternal. Power. That life-giving spirit, so it's got to work. The energy. That's why it says energy, 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 touch, detonated, the dunamis, the dynamite, dunamis, power, Greek. You'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. So that was there. So the energy 
the electrical power, I'll call it, this is the human side, began to get to work and began to raise, uplift, upgrade the human side of him into the status of deity and the divineness so that now he was completely God. So when he was outside of his resurrection, remember he just went straight through, through walls and doors and he flew. And remember, he wanted to, they left all that, that new body, it was the spiritual body, they left the scars, the holes in his hands and the spear in his side was still there. So it was the same body, but now it had been uplifted into a divine level, a dimension that was equal to God. Now you had the complete God-man, the complete different God than before. That's why the resurrection of the second birth was the birthing of the firstborn. Romans 8, 29. He's the firstborn. In Colossians it says he's the firstborn from what? The dead. That's his second birth. He was now the firstborn. Get it? <laughs> so in resurrection came the firstborn back. So Acts chapter 13, verse 33 quotes this, and it says very clearly that today, this is God speaking to the Father, today I have begotten you. He was always the only begotten son, but now that changed at the resurrection. So if Acts chapter 13, 33 was referring to the former, that he was the only begotten son, there was no need for him to actually be said that he was begotten. He was already a son from all eternity. What he wasn't was the firstborn son of the new kind with the upgraded, upsized human side of him now deified as God. He now became the firstborn of a new race. He was born the firstborn. That's what it says. So that's his second birth. The historical Jesus up to death and resurrection was over. Now the resurrected Jesus was far more complete. He was now totally resurrected with the incarnation, with the death, and he went through that part of it. Now his resurrection and then the ascension, he was the complete. And now the triune God that was just spirit before the resurrection, that composition changed where now the human had been glorified and now the triune Godhead has now got a human man to represent it. That is what most Christians don't know Easter is. And I've done a very a gruff, very rough communication of it. But if, I want you just to catch the main part of it. So what has that got to do with all us? Wow, it's got a lot to do with us. Because that's why Romans says in chapter 7, verse 4. You also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, another Jesus, to him who was telling you the truth. There it is there. What it's saying is, too many Christians have received a figment, a history. They believe that Jesus died for them, but he's gone, and they only think of him in terms of history, 
not as a resurrected Christ who has now become, thank you, Saluti, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, and now a life-giving spirit, meaning a spirit who imparts. That life-giving spirit is a resurrection. The one that done the resurrection in the tomb is that one, that one there. Became a a life-giving spirit. That there, that life-giving spirit is an imparting spirit. It imparts what? Resurrection, life. Because he became that after the human side of him was deified, and then that's what he became. That's the last Adam. That's what he is, a life-giving spirit. So God could never do one thing right up to the resurrection. Even Jesus had to walk around and amongst his apostles and the people, but he could never be in them. That's why it says in the Bible, uh, the Lord was with Joseph. You can say now, that, but the Lord is in me. The Lord was with David. You can say now, but the Lord is with me, in me. There's a difference. Jesus could not be in Peter. He could not be in James. That's why after his resurrection, he came out of that. He waited around 40 days, raised another few people out of the graves to prove it. He got to his disciples. What did he do? He was anxious to do one thing. He now wanted to breathe on his apostles the new resurrection spirit. That life-giving spirit. Now he says, here it is, the complete the whole triune God. Now I want to put that same spirit. So go to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Try that, Saluti. Then I'll give you an idea of what, he's, what I'm saying about how, can, how does resurrection, we're out of here, how does resurrection do for my life and now, the now life? How does it work for me now? But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, So you can't have the history, Jesus. Otherwise, you're a Christian waiting for Jesus to come back. And you're, that's the the wrong one. You're married to another one now, the one who was raised from the dead. So it says, if that spirit dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. There's the key, mortal. As, a, as, as opposed to immortal. Immortal is immortal forever. But mortal is a, an actual part of your life that is temporary. So you've got a mortal body. Mortal means mortality is we broken, we get sick, we, we run down, mortal dies, whatever else. Immortals. The immortals do not. Really, if you take Lazarus' teaching from John chapter 11, and the teaching, just the few I give you now from here, really your mind should change with the power of spiritual knowledge that you walk as the immortals in the earth. I know, without out of man's perishing, we know that, but the mindset of people have made that happen quicker. Because the quickening spirit, the resurrection spirit comes into your life I can add many years and decades to my life and be more useful because of my thinking's different from traditional thinking. Traditional thinking says I'm old, oh, I'm running down, and they're only 53. Good God, I was running up and down mountains at 53, and I still am. You are what you think. As a man thinks, so is he. 
If you go for artificial cosmetics and artificial means to try and prop your life up, you'll still perish quick. You'll get beauty glowing skin deep, by the way, for a little while. But it ain't about the cosmetics, it's about the spirit. Where the power was in his spirit now, I've got to jump quick because I'm getting hungry. I'm always hungry when I'm preaching. So the tomb. I, I'm, I, the second one, I'm, you know what I did? I left my notes. At, that's not my, I, left the, I got the wrong notes. I got the one about, <laughs> I got to tell you that notes up there. I got the wrong one, so I'm going on my memory. But the last thing I picked up on this is in Revelation was the groan. So I'll finish there, eh? You got this? So why? Because if you've got that resurrection spirit, which you have, the life-giving spirit, it feeds your mortal body so you can actually speak to your organs, your vital organs in your body, telling it now that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. The life-giving spirit. I've got the Christ that was raised from the dead, not the history one. That's only partial. I've got the completed. The composition of God's changed, brother. There's not just an only begotten son now, there are many sons. Hebrews 11, Hebrews chapter 2, 10, 11. He's not ashamed to call them brothers. Go get my brothers, he said to Mary Magdalene, who he cast out seven demons. Funny, eh? The person who had the worst life was the first there. Don't think that you're too bad here, by the way. Mary Magdalene had seven demons cast out of her. I think she had a not a nice history. But she was very close to Jesus and the apostles and she was the first one to get to the tomb. Jesus met her first. Funny, eh? A woman who had a ragged life was the one that God allowed to get there to see the most incredible moment in history. To see the new creature, the new human species. She went to touch him, to hug him. He said, don't touch me. That's not because he wasn't being nice. He hadn't yet ascended to the Father. The Father is the first one that should hug that. So, he had to hang around just to clean a few little wee rough edges up. And these are the ones I'm doing. This is the Easter message I'm telling you. He hung around to clean up some edges here. And here's this one here. When he was coming to the grave, he did two big groans. The scriptures are clear. Groan deep in his spirit. How do you activate what's already in your spirit? It's the energy. The energy that was working. This, this man who was human and divine knew how to energize the spirit side of him to actually bring the human side of him into harmony with his divine side. It's no different to us. The God in you and the human. Ah, that's for the last days. Don't make Martha's mistake, Martha. Your Martha's spirit is not what you want. Jesus cut through and said, I am, which means currently your life right now. I don't want to go into another message about what resurrection can do to you. But if you touch deep enough, he groaned. And then the second time it said, 
He groaned with himself prior to saying, roll away the stone. It was a... (sighs) He was really pulling down deep into his spirit. My, wouldn't you? If you had to raise a dead body after four days, there's a big crowd watching you. And there's your friends and people who believed you. The whole credibility of the Christian faith and all of Jesus' credibility was on the line in that moment. If he failed to do it, it was over. The best proof of Christianity is your resurrection life. You rise above it. Come back, kid. I never die. I never give up. That's resurrection. Those who fall away, it's not resurrection. Resurrection stays up. Anastasia, Greek, stand up. Tutangata. Don't go back. Resurrection. Alive. And you give life to others. So the deep groaning is the ability to energize your dunamis, your power. It's the detonator. So when he was in the tomb, his spirit began to work immediately, deifying and raising the human side into full glory. God, you mean to tell me that that process of making a human God is that same spirit I read to you in Romans? Well, if you make the... No, I'm not lying. The Bible's a lie. If it says that the spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. (laughs) Really, you have a right to go walking around and practice resurrection on yourself with no problems from your Christian brothers. Lie. (laughs) Live a resurrected life just thinking like that and walking like that will lift you. What a beautiful thing to see him. That's the third place. I'd rather be winning the prize where the three prizes has been. <laughs> is Thomas. Ah, oh, that ain't you. You're not real. And Jesus says, put your finger in my Oh, man. Thomas is cool because he's real. I believe it's you unless I can touch you. Jesus says, come, put your... Isn't it funny? He gets Thomas touch him, but he wouldn't let her touch him. Because one was a, an affectionate hug of somebody that's walked with him. It would have been James, Peter, or John, they wouldn't have touched him. Thomas's was critical because that is the spirit that rests on most Christian people. And he was answering a problem right there about what I've been teaching you in the last 40 minutes. Stick your finger in, man, and shoo. it's the same body I had when I was with you in flesh, has now been totally glorified. It's the same flesh body turned into spiritual body. And then he went and he was gone. Just like that. Now he went down apparently into the cemetery in Jerusalem and cracked open a few graves. It's true. Read it in John. And many rose from the dead. So he had a whole party downtown for a while. That's the, he's the man. That's the man. He's the man. That's the guy I worship. That's the guy I'm in love with. That's the guy that I live for. That's the guy 
That's the spirit and destiny church movement. You hate destiny church, you hate him. Conference going to be off the hook. Now I'm going to put out a challenge for you guys in a couple weeks. And I want my movement to rise to it. Because we're coming into a place of the great manifestation. The manifestation. The manifestation means some things have got to show up. Alrighty? Is that okay for just a little Easter excursion? Alright, to stand for your feet. Bless you all. down a couple of things before I left my office. Now that's right. Tomb became a womb. The composition of God changed after resurrection. The resurrection power was in the deep groan. Deep down, that's why right. Deep down in his spirit, the groan was the rumble of resurrection. <laughs> Do you get that? Sometimes it's a <clears throat> How do you interpret that? Do you get that? Not, not, you get that when you're angry in your flesh. You know how we, some people scream in pain, scream in torment, scream in anger, anguish, whatever. But this was a groan deep in the spirit. I've got to leave it for you to to explore. Father, I thank you right now. Beautiful act. What a wonderful thing that Easter represents. I pray today that people would go away deeply contemplating, meditating, thinking about just how great and amazing this God was and how amazing Jesus Christ is. What a man. I want to be like him. I want everything of him, every part of him. Lord, bless this movement. Bless every person that's here. Love you all. Thank you so very much. What a great day. What awesome music. I love that last song. Just, just something else. You know, because I said to um, Caleb, he's hiding. I said to Caleb, just got to keep lifting the songs. Follow the revelation. And I said, by the time we get to conference, I want music that is direct from the heart of God and from heaven itself, from paradise. And that was a touch of it. That was just so cool. You Don't you get that this morning? You knew that is like another level up there. I love it when the sound accompanies the sound of the voice, the voice of music. Lord, I'm so grateful. Thank you for a beautiful, wonderful movement. Anybody in this room? who's not blessed today, put your hand up and we'll just throw a blessing at you. Everybody else will. Okay. Good. There you go. There's a couple there. Over there beside you. We just ask God to bless you. And if you want to come up and say, hey, I want, I don't, I'm not a part of this church anywhere out there. I'm across the country. And I want you to be my preacher, my pastor, my whatever. Just connect. Then you come up because I'll wait here with the team of my leaders for about five minutes because I've got to go to lunch. Right. I've still got a human body. I've got to feed, feed this beast. So come up quickly so we can pray for you or connect you up with us. And um, 
that'd be great, all right? You guys are awesome, so um, go and have a happy day and be good. Give life. You're a life-giving spirit. All right, amen. God bless you.